0: Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro recharge kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.
1: I know there's a sector of Mets fans who would assume if the Mets ever bragged about killing it on Black Friday, it's that they had re signed Victor Black for bullpen depth. This was better. Matter of fact, best Black Friday shopping day ever. Billy Epler didn't just hit the ground running as Mets GM. He hit the ground with Steve Cohen's Amex black card, and he ran like Usain Bolt getting chased by a lion with the wind at his back. Yeah, sure, they lost Aaron Loop and Noah Syndergaard to the West Coast, and sure, Stephen Matz took his talents to St. Louis instead of returning to his native New York, but Eduardo Escobar and Marcana and Starling Marte are Mets? Sign me up. And let's meet the new brothers in the band. Let's do it right now. Mets in the morning. Mets in the morning. Oh, yeah. Mets in the morning. Gonna tell you what the Mets are doing. While coffee is brewing now. Here's Josh Lewin. Scootily A- 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 well, down. Famously, the off-season of 2013, Sandy Alderson was asked about his outfield and equipped, what outfield?" In the words of Etta James, those lonely days are over. At last, our love has come along. Two loves, two Oakland A's, Canna and Marte. And in Eduardo Escobar, the best third baseman the Mets have employed since the 2012 version of David Wright. Mets spending $124 million in about eight hours Friday evening. Unrelatedly, I spent $25 on a vintage Von Dutch trucker hat worth every penny as soon as it shows up. Josh Lewin with you, and wow, did they fix up the offense or what? I thought it was a big day when I first joined the Mets radio booth into the 2012 season when they signed Frank Francisco, John Rausch, and Ramon Ramirez, and Andres Torres. Uh, That day, let's say that day, pales in comparison with this past Friday, November 26. Starlin Marte, more like startling Marte, am I right? Because we did not see this coming. It's like Steve Cohen got mad at the world once he got jilted by mats and said to his new GM, buy me a tub of Haagen-Dazs. And Billy Epler said, what kind? And Steve Cohen said, oh, let's go with Canna Marte Escobar, which sounds like a Ben & Jerry's flavor. It is not, but it, it could be. We will get into the Marte Parte last. We'll walk you through the ins and outs of the other two guys first. And here's this way that we're doing it that I, I hope you like. Remember that old Sunday whip-around thing when you watched or listened to NFL football? We have lined up something like that, so please stand by. Escobar and Canna are two-year deals, so they'll be around long enough to make an impact, but not tying up the Mets financially long-term. Marte is four years, so he is a long-haul guy and could become the first Met to steal 40, or dare I say 50, in a season since Jose Reyes in his prime. All these guys are 32, 33 years old. If that scares you, I'd remind you the Giants just won 107 games with a bunch of guys like this. Brandon Belt, Brandon Crawford, Buster Posey, Darren Ruff, Donovan Solano, Evan Longoria. This is a swing at getting that depth that Billy Epler has talked about already. Mets, remember, had to dig deep and use 62 players last year. But how many of them were actually good? I mean, there's a difference between depth and quality depth. You can say you have a 100-person gospel choir in your church, but what if 90 of them are tone-deaf? I am no longer impressed by your gospel choir depth in that scenario. The Mets also, remember, added an under-the-radar depth piece earlier this past week. Outfielder Nick Plummer signed away from the Cardinals, where he was at A AA and AAA last year, kind of a diamond in the rough. And if he, instead of Khalil Lee, has that breakthrough 22, hey, all it takes is one. The Mets watched the Braves add quality depth last summer with Adam Duvall and Jock Peterson, Eddie Rosario, Jorge Soler. They won the NL East, then they won the World Series. Give me liberty or give me depth. Before we start with the whip-arounds, Let's tell you what isn't happening. Uh, we mentioned O. Stephen and Matt's reunion, which did not please the owner, as you may have seen on Twitter. The Mets had extended an offer to the 30-year-old lefty, who, of course, spent the first six years of his big league career here in New York. Matt was said to be weighing offers from maybe eight other teams, not just the Mets. And uh, obviously the Cardinals is where he ended up going. St. Louis makes sense for him. I get it. It's commutable to where he makes his home now in Nashville. Mets went 14-7 and last year, 3.80 RA for Toronto. Remember, the Mets had traded the Long Island native last winter in a deal that netted them Sean Reed Foley, Yenzi Diaz, and Josh Kelski. Eh. A, uh, a lefty in the Mets' rotation isn't necessary, but it is preferred for a team that, remember, got Rich Hill before the trade deadline this past year to fill that void that after Joey Lucchese and David Peterson were lost to season-ending injuries. Speaking of lefties... We fire up the boys-to-men background music. It's so hard to say goodbye to yesterday and to Aaron Loop, who takes his postgame beers westward to Anaheim, where the Angels are quickly becoming a rezoned version of the Mets. And I'm sorry if I'm the one who started all that, leaving the Mets to head out to sunny SoCal. But uh, Syndergaard and Al Loop will be tweeting and chugging bushlights, respectively, in Anaheim. Will Loop switch to Sierra Nevadas now or some Carl Strauss? Uh, all I know is a setup lefty with a sub 1 ERA is tough to replace. Although, is there a regression to the mean dead ahead for the native Louisianan? Remember, his ERAs before his 0.9 as a Met were 2.5, 4.5, and 4.5. His ERA with his original organization, Toronto, was 4.4. Good luck to Loop. Seriously, one of the all time bargains in the recent history of the Mets. One home run allowed in 57 innings? That happened. The only home run allowed all year in 65 games without a loss. Juan Soto, opposite field late August, and joined the club with that guy. All right, let's talk about join the club for the Mets. From port to port, I enlisted the help of the radio announcers who watched them ply their craft these last few years. Let's start in Phoenix, Arizona, where we take you plausibly live to our correspondent on the scene, Mike Farron. Mike, what can you tell us about Eduardo Escobar? Versatile corner infielder, can play second in a pinch, owner of 118 RBI season not too long ago.
2: I was fortunate I get to spend about three years around Eduardo Escobar. And I'd say in, in terms of players that I've covered, he's right at the top of the list. And, and some of it has to do with his play on the field. He's a very good player. Uh, a lot of it has to do with who he is off it. Um, the Diamondbacks organization really um, loved people who were willing to work in the community. And on multiple occasions, they had to try and slow Escobar down because he wanted to do so much. Uh, the amount of time that he was willing to dedicate to uh, school, school kids, help uh, funding uh, equipment for baseball programs is really incredible. And, and I feel like you know, there's a reason why he's been... Uh, a nominee for the Clemente Award multiple times is because he's just one of the most community-oriented people you will find. And I think if you were to talk to teammates, uh, just about every teammate would say that he is if not their favorite, among the favorites that they've ever had. Positive energy, Uh, doesn't take anything for granted. You know, this is a guy that was nearly released out of rookie ball by the White Sox once upon a time and for him to be an all-star now. uh, Pretty incredible career that he's put together and a pretty tremendous person. So happy for Mets fans that they get a chance to get to know Escobar. Um, I think his production will be just fine, but off the field, I think they're going to get a sense of what kind of a special person he is.
1: Mike, thank you very much. The soon-to-be 33-year-old Venezuelan last year. And by the way, Mike Ferren's not Venezuelan. I, I mean Escobar. Uh, he split time between Arizona and Milwaukee. 26 doubles, 28 homers. Guy's got a 490 slugging percentage with runners in scoring position in his career. That will play for a team that needs that kind of help. Switch hitter. Three years ago, only Alex Bregman had more doubles than he did in all of baseball. He led the triples, or led the, uh, the majors, I should say, in triples just two years ago. He had 10 of them. The Mets as a team last year had 18. Not really a base stealer, but a guy with a career OPS of around 750, despite a low OBP. Stick him at third, and I'm telling you, the best the Mets have done there in in basically nine years, including the bad-backed David Wright towards the end of his career. Uh, David, by the way, as you may know, has not yet had his number retired. I doubt Escobar will be given his customary number five when he gets officially on board. I'm still not over the Mets giving Keith's number 17 away to Dae Koo. Next, from Mr. Koo to Mr. Vince Catronio, longtime A's radio announcer and friend of the show, standing by, plausibly live, to tell you about Mark Canna, whose last name sounds like it should be a final round match game question, doesn't it? 100 people surveyed, top three answers on the board. Canna, blank. Number three answer, Oh, can of corn. Yes, very nice. Number two, can of worms. Right, opening up a can of worms. And the number one answer is presented by Fanny Flag, can of whoop ass. I got Fanny and ass in the same sentence there. That's that's pretty good. We opened up a can of whoop ass. Anyway, sorry. Here's Vince Catronio. Well, Josh, Mets fans are asking about Marcana, and I can give
0: you a little bit of the lowdown since I've seen every one of his games since he broke in back in 2015 with the Athletics. He's going to be 33 when uh, opening day rolls around in 2022. He's an all-around solid performer. Nothing really jumps off the page about Mark's game. He can play all three outfield positions, including center. Now he's not a prime center fielder, but he's excellent on the corners. And he's always done what's ever been asked of him, including in 2021, when the A's really had no option At leadoff, because Marcus Simeon, who was his teammate, ironically, not only with the A's, but at Cal, where he went to school. He's a Bay Area kid, went to high school in San Jose at Bellarmine Prep, which included Kevin Franson and uh, Pat Burrow and some others that have gotten to the big leagues. But the A's did not have a leadoff man for 2021. And so Bob Melvin, basically based on Mark's on-base percentage abilities, kind of tapped him on the shoulder and said, can you do this? And he said, of course I can. And stepped in, did a really nice job for the A's for the first two and a half, almost three months of the season. He was among the league leaders and runs scored and on base percentage. He, he's a guy that uh, kind of took a little bit of his game away. He has some power, hit 26 home runs back in uh, 20, uh, 2018, which, or 2019 rather, which was his best home run year. But got away a little bit from that, worked more on the counts and worked getting on base to try to create opportunities for guys behind him. It's, on-base percentage uh, historically recently has been better than 350 the last three years so that's why he was tapped on the shoulder to do that but then he re-injured his left hip a hip that he had surgery on uh, during the 2016 season which blended into the 2017 campaign which took him a while to recover from and the second half for la- for uh, for mark last year was kind of the same thing kind of The numbers went down, the analytics went down, bat speed went down, wasn't getting on base nearly as much. But Mark is a a solid major league guy, great in the clubhouse. He will work the count each and every at-bat. He does take a lot of time between at-bats. He does that each and every pitch. He historically has stepped out, readjusted the batting gloves, a couple of check swings, and then steps back into the box. Now, will he be allowed to do that in 2022? We don't know yet, but from a broadcasting point of view, you could tell stories when Mark was in the box because it took a lot of time. He was the guy that coined bat-flipping season for the A's when they uh, were playing in the Bay Area, especially against the Giants. He had a big home run against them to win a game back in 2018 with a historic bat-flip over in Oracle Park in San Francisco. Uh, His last home run did the same thing for the A's in 2021 when he knew that basically his time as a Bay Area kid growing up watching the A's was coming to an end because he was going to be a free agent for the first time, and he was going to get opportunities like he has gotten from the New York Mets. So, great guy. Mark Canna, solid major league player. He should help the Mets, and a guy I think Mets fans will certainly like.
1: Thanks, Vince. Canna, three seventy seven on on-base percentage across the last three seasons, led the majors last year and hit by pitches, a Ron Hunt-like twenty seven. He also hit 17 home runs, playing home games in a very unforgiving ballpark. He made at least 20 starts at all three outfield spots last year. He's made 80 or so starts at first base in his career. Originally drafted out of Cal Berkeley by Miami 11 years ago. He's been going back to Berkeley his last few off seasons to finish up his degree in political science. He spent the pandemic taking a public health class on that campus and uh, learning about the gaps in health care coverage nationwide, he says. Uh, thoughtful, cool. Human being here. Great addition. And by the way, Cal, not Stanford. So if you're thinking Jed Lowry, uh, kind of an egghead, former Oakland A, is he going to come here and never play? No, I, I think Cannon's going to play. Now, to Marte, the bell of the ball. And, and yes, he's got a PED suspension on his resume. But... Also, he's coming off probably the best season of his career, led the majors in steals, had 47, he had 310, had a dozen home runs, career best OBP of 383. He was an all-star, you might remember, for the Pirates in 2016. He started this past year as a Marlin. So, we take you now, plausibly live, to South Beach, where noted party animal and good friend of Pitbull, Glenn Geffner, is standing by. Glenn? It's funny. When I look
3: back at Starling Marte's time with the Marlins, it's hard to believe he only played 92 games here over the final month of 2020 and the first half of 2021. He made a huge impact in a relatively short amount of time. We had seen a lot of him over the years when he was in Pittsburgh, and while I always knew he was a good player, I don't think I had a true appreciation for what this guy brings to a team until I got the chance to watch him day in and day out here. He had a lot of big hits for this team, but this is a guy who night after night does a lot of the little things that help you win ball games. He hits. He hits for some power. He's a good on-base guy. He's a terrific defender, a legitimate center fielder with really good range and a strong arm. He was a tremendous base stealer when he was here, and it sounds like he got even better working with Ricky Henderson during his time in Oakland. His efficiency on the bases has improved over the last couple of years. He's a terrific base runner overall. He picks his spots. He's aggressive, but he's smart. He just has great instincts for the game. And best of all, he's a guy who shows up to play every night. He was terrific in the clubhouse in Miami. Just one of those guys who a manager can ride into the lineup every night. And you know he's going to go out there. He's going to play the game hard. And whether it's with his bat, with his glove, with his arm, his feet, he's going to do something to help you win a ballgame. Just about every time he's in the lineup.
1: All right, thanks to Glenn Geffner. Thanks to all of our correspondents. I am in on Starlin Marte. He's hit at least 277 each season since 2013. He's won a couple gold gloves back when he was a left fielder for the Pirates. He's, a, he's average in center. He, he's okay. Now, Canna, in theory, takes the roster spot vacated by Michael Conforto, who's now got maybe a 2% chance to end up back in New York. Canna has a lower ceiling than Conforto, but he's consistent. Reminds me of the Michael Kadire signing, maybe seven, eight years ago now. Worked out very nicely. Escobar enters a, a mix here of complementary veterans, I would call it, who do different things well, can play all over, He'll join Jeff McNeil and J.D. Davis as guys like that. So for now, you're Sharpie and Alonzo at first, Lindor at short, Marte in center. Uh, Is it going to be the returning at Robinson Cano at second base, or is that Jeff McNeil? We'll leave that one for another podcast. But look what you've got now depth-wise. At third base, a switch hitter with Escobar, a lefty with McNeil, a righty with Davis. Left field, you got the righty swinging Canna, a lefty in Dom Smith, a lefty in Jeff McNeil. You can put Davis out there or Escobar. You can put Escobar and right if you need to, or Davis, or Canna, or Brandon Nimmo. Uh, one underrated nugget about these latest three signings, by the way, they all had strikeout rates under the league average last year. I like that.
4: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state
1: law. So if this all shakes out as expected, you could go with an opening day lineup of three lefties, three righties, two switch hitters in there, uh, and then – uh, well, I, you know what? Okay, there's going to be a DH probably. We're going to have to mix and match this a little bit. But Marte in center, Nimmo in right, Lindor at short. That's your upper third of the batting order. Alenzo, uh, Alonzo, that is, at first base. Escobar at third. McNeil or Cano at second. Canna in left. Uh, Dom Smith, I guess, your DH. Uh, if it's a righty starter on the mound, he'd be your number eight man. James McCann at the bottom of the order doing the catching. As for a number two starter behind an assumably healthy DeGrom, well, if they can't get Scherzer in here, I have to believe they'll go hard for the likes of either a return to Marcus Stroman or a flip to Kevin Gossman, who'd be great, Carlos Radon, Robbie Ray. Obviously, I'm fine with any of those guys. I think we'd all agree they need to shoot high and try to lasso one of them. Side note here, though, isn't this fun? The days of signing Sean Markham and telling us that's what's for dinner and you'll like it. Those days are very much over. As you know, the looming possibility of a stoppage on December 2 is fast approaching. And that freeze would at least allow Billy Epler to kind of broaden out his search for field manager. Because after all, once you reach December second without a skipper, does it really matter if you get to January second without a skipper? I think the GM is open-minded enough to see whether or not one of these guys he doesn't know that well might just kind of bowl him over and he doesn't have to zoom through interviews. But we'll zoom through some candidates here. I still like Ron Washington, at least for an interview. I mean, you've already poached two Oakland A's players. How about one of their longtime coaches? And, of course, he's a current Braves third-base coach, former Rangers manager, one-time Mets minor league manager in Columbia, South Carolina. He's older. He's a bit unpolished, which is part of his charm. Swears like he's on Sirius XM Channel 99 following Dave Chappelle and Andrew Dice Clay. But every player who's ever been near Wash loves him. Which brings us to an under-the-radar candidate, a guy who gave one of his four gold gloves to Ron Washington as a thank you. That's Eric Chavez. And the Billy Epler-Chavez connection began a decade ago. Epler scouted him, helped the Yankees sign him in 2011. Chavez with those ties to Oakland and Sandy Alderson, of course. One problem, he's never managed before. I like Chavez a lot, but maybe as a coach to get his feet wet, not a rookie manager in the big city. Because we we just saw that one, Joe Espada uh, has not managed in the big leagues yet, but he will. Former special assistant to Brian Cashman, the current Astros bench coach, now Chavez and Espada interviewed for the Angels manager's job under Billy Epler in Anaheim. That gig went to Brad Ausmus, who only managed in Anaheim in 2019 before ownership moved on to Joe Madden. But Ausmus also managed the Tigers 2014 to 17. I still think he's a great candidate. Rick Renteria, 59 years old, former White Sox manager, throwing his hat in the ring. Somewhat surprisingly, got fired by Jerry Reinsdorf after 2020 when he finished second in the AL Manager of the Year voting. But uh, they made a change to go, of course, to La Russa. Renteria managed Javi Baez with the Cubs in 2014, managed James McCann with the White Sox. That's intriguing. And then you got Buck Showalter, the veteran. He'd be a natural choice. I mean, Steve Cohen wants to win now. And this is a guy with a winning pedigree. He knows the city well. He's media-friendly. Billy Epler actually suggested the Angels hire Walter over Madden in 2020. But Artie Moreno chose Madden. You've got a 65-year-old here with Showalter. And, uh, well, Terry Collins worked out pretty well as an older manager, in, in my opinion. Anyway, that's the field. And the next thing for the new GM to do after maybe he grabs a couple pitchers would be that managerial search. So, again... The Mets didn't get mats, but they are shooting for some even bigger fish. We'll see if they land one or two before the the likely shutdown coming up this week. Will we go dark here at Mets in the morning if there's a labor situation? (laughs) Sure, as if. No, we'll be back next week, hopefully with some more good news about more veteran players signing on. and, And definitely with a return to our look at some young potential Mets as we chat with more of the team's minor leaguers. We took a break from that on this episode because we had so much to fill you in on with the new Major League Caliber guys. So, now we reveal who's been playing this funky music all this time. The Mets in the Morning House Band. On keyboards, Joel Youngblood. Slapping the bass was Rick Porcello. On horns, thank you, Mike Bordick. And our drummer, It was Ellis Valentine. Have yourself a very happy Hanukkah, a wonderful holiday season or Festivus or whatever else you like to celebrate. I'll be leaning into Festivus. I find tinsel distracting. Take care. Stay safe. Peace out.
4: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.